and welcome to Grace Life Ministries. We're a gospel-centered, disciple-making, church-planting ministry with a focus on reaching the unreached, establishing believers in the truth of God's Word, and building grace communities or churches. Our desire is to help you to grow in your relationship with God, experience the reality of Christianity, and help you to experience the fruit of Christ in you. We're not called to just consume information. We're called to, to, to receive information, allow it to, to uh, um, become revelation. And then that revelation has to result in action. That revelation that we have has to result in fruitfulness. Otherwise, the Bible says we're deceived. And, and so, you know, um, uh, uh, <laughs> I said this at School of the Believer this, uh, this week, that, um, you know, so often... Uh, in churches, there's powerful word being taught, powerful word being taught, you know, believers authority, healing, I don't even know what, like all this kind of amazing stuff about God wants you well, or I don't know, stuff like that. And, and it's like people are, yes, amen, receiving, or, you know, we're called to be the difference in the world, yes and amen, and then people receive that good word and they go home. And they maybe dabble, dabble in it a little bit. You know, but they don't live in it. They dabble in it, you know, and, and, and uh, the, the thing with that is that the, the devil loves that. I don't think the devil gets upset with good preaching. I think he gets upset when people take the good teaching and do something with it. I mean, and that's a um, part of our problem, I think, as, as Grace Life. Um, at, at, at is, is, as long as we've gone, we've always kind of like encouraged lovingly encouraged people i'm saying you another way of saying that is lovingly pushed people towards fruitfulness towards action towards let's live this out and um, it's uncomfortable for people and so the people who are seeking comfort don't last long and so that's why we don't grow as much as we could because we're not here to create a comfortable safe place for people for eternity it's a comfortable safe place for people to grow but the growth is inevitable you know we're going to help people step out um, so I want to actually start off with this thought, uh, we've started off, but start off with this thought in line with what we're, what we've been talking about. And that is, what is your life about? What is your life about? Okay. Think about it for a moment. And I know that, um, uh, uh, you might have some really great ideas of what your life is about. It's about Jesus. It's about the kingdom. You might even put if you're super spirit, spiritual, but um, you might uh, put down, I've heard people say my life is about love, my life is about helping people, whatever. Okay, now you've thought about what your life is about. Now, if you look at how you spend your money, how you spend your time, you know, what you're, what you're consumed with in the area of time and money, that will clarify what your life is really about. Because... You know what we what we what we value we 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 we're giving towards what we've our time our talents our treasure we're investing ourselves into those things so it's like for some people um they they really value uh um gym or, or exercise or, or looking good for whatever reason and so you know they would spend a couple hours a day at the at the gym because that's their focus that's what they value and they might say I value um, helping people, 
but um, the, what's the rest of their day filled up with? Probably eating 30 eggs and uh, uh, drinking their whey protein and whatever else. And it's not a sin, but it's like it's confirming that what they're saying doesn't line up with what, what they really believe in their heart. See, because you know, I, I was thinking about this a, a while back. Let's turn to Romans chapter 10. And I'll show you this. This is possibly the answer to why sometimes <clears throat> you don't see the fruitfulness in your life that you should see. Okay. Uh, with regards to many different things. Okay, you contextualize it so I don't have to step on someone's toes. Um, but Romans chapter 10. One of our uh, <clears throat> famous scriptures, or one that we all use a lot, it says that if, verse 9, if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So here's the thing. <clears throat> the heart and the mouth need to be in agreement for it to work. For salvation to take place, obviously, the, it's not enough to just believe in Jesus in your heart. There has to be some kind of outward confession. There has to be some kind of fruitfulness for that. Okay? And, and, and I believe it's the same with a lot of things. A lot of the time, healing doesn't manifest because we, we, we might be saying we believe in healing, saying that I'm trusting for healing, saying that, you know, I'm going to be healed or whatever. But... We're not believing it in our hearts. In our hearts, we've got a picture of sickness. We've got a picture of death. We've got a picture that this isn't going to work. I've never seen it work. And so the two aren't in agreement. And so it's difficult to see a fruitfulness there. We need to see uh, uh, what we believe in our hearts and then what we say with our mouths and how we live our lives. The actions need to be in harmony. You can say that you believe that you're righteous, that you're the righteousness of God. And that's a true statement. But if you're making decisions to live unrighteously, you know, what's going to happen is your heart is going to be confused. Your mind is going to be confused. And one of the biggest problems with that is you start to subconsciously believe that you're a hypocrite, that you're a phony, that you're a fake. And then you're saying, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you've learned to be a chameleon. You're not convincing anyone, even yourself, because you're, you're, you're consciously choosing the wrong thing whilst you're saying the right thing. I hope that makes sense. But like I've seen that with a lot of people, you know, um, someone I've been ministering to lately. <clears throat> I'm a child of God. I'm a this, I'm a that. And then in the same breath, I believe that God wants me to be happy. Um, why can't I take drugs? <laughs> why can't I sleep around? Yeah, I'm the righteousness of God. Everything that Jesus says about me is true. Amen. But why can't I do what I want to do? You know, and, and, and what happens there is, is, is subconsciously then your heart's not going to believe you. Your mouth. So then, you know, there's power of life and death in the tongue. And now you're wanting to speak, use the authority of Christ in you to speak into situations. And um, never mind the demons maybe not believing you, but, but you, you don't even believe you when you speak. So we started off quite nice and uh, 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 gentle this morning. But what is your life about? You know, what is your faith life about? What is your faith about? 
And how do you know what your faith is about? Like, what are you praying for? What is your prayer life filled with? What is your relationship with God really consumed with? Another person that I sat with recently, um, I, I made them feel really uncomfortable uh, by, by uh, talking about their calling. Um, because all they wanted to do was believe that they're called to sit on daddy God's lap and, uh, and feast on his love until Jesus returns. And uh, <laughs> I was like, listen, buddy, you got to grow up. I was like, yes, we feast on his love. We receive his love. It impacts us for a purpose. And so we're not called just to sit on daddy God's lap and eat whatever we want from daddy God's fridge. And, uh, you know, like just uh, be a, a child in daddy God's house. Um, you know, I'm so grateful that my children are children and that they rely on me the way that they do um, and that they need me like this. But when they get into their 20s, you know, I'm looking forward, not because I don't love them, but I'm looking forward to them taking responsibility for their lives and going to make a difference in the world. And maybe even looking after me. <laughs> you know, like uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the 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 um, the, the the maturity that that which causes them to grow up and step into things. Go with me to Romans chapter eight. See, this is all centered around the idea of um, <clears throat> what are we doing with the word we receive. Now, I don't know why you're in grace life. Um, I know why I'm in grace life, <laughs> but I don't know why you're in grace life. Uh, but a lot of the time, like, uh, um, we choose a church because it's, um, it suits us. <clears throat> it suits us. Um, it's not always because of, and I, I don't know why, again, why you chose, I'm sure majority of us here chose for the right reasons, but the point is a lot of people go to that church down the road because the worship just ministers to them or the kids ministry is just perfect and so they they get some time off while their child is ministered to they're outsourcing the discipleship of their child so that they can have a break in church too you know a lot of people are like um i just love going there because um the fellowship is amazing i love going there because whatever and you know all of those reasons reveal a self-centeredness which reveals an immaturity, which reveals a, 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 an area of our lives in which we need to grow up. God's desire is that we would all grow up. I'll, I'll show you a verse for that just now. But God's desire is for us all to grow up for a specific purpose, and it's a powerful purpose. Okay, We should be finding a church where we can grow, where we can receive from the word, where we can grow in relationship with people, because uh, a discipleship doesn't just happen through teaching, it happens through relationship. And then we, we choose a church according to how we can um, uh, express the calling of Christ in our lives, how we can live out the mission, the Great Commission. You know, we, we want to be part of the bigger picture. And so you can have a church of 5,000 people, which is not uh, uh, actively involved in, in the mission of the Great Commission in, in all the world, and I wouldn't be part of them. Even if their coffee was amazing, I might visit them just to drink the coffee from time to time um, because it's, I'm assuming, free. 
But the point is, is that, that I'm not going to go there and invest myself there because I want to invest myself in a, either a small church or a big church as I don't care how size, what the size of it is church that's going to be living for Jesus and his mission. And, you know, when I was first looking for a church, when I moved to Cape Town in 2005, you know, I had a list of this is what I want in a church. And it wasn't all self-centered reasons, but one of the major things I was looking for was I want to be part of a church which is on a mission. Not to, on a mission to build a great service, but on a mission to reach people for, for, for the kingdom. To reach people for Jesus, not to feed the, the hungry, although I'm, I'm, I'm not opposed to that, but to, to feed the spiritually hungry, you know, to, to make a difference in the world. And um, anyhow, Romans chapter 8, if you go down to verse 19, I'm going to read it in the New Living Tration, the New Living Tration first. Verse 19 says, for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. They botched up the translation there, to put it bluntly. Look at the, <laughs> the New King James. I'll show you why. Verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. The New Living Translation put the, the, the weight on God. Put the pressure on God there to reveal the sons of God. But what this verse, I believe, is actually doing is it's putting the pressure or the responsibility on us, not on God to reveal us as his sons, but on us to start to manifest as his sons. Okay, that's why it's so good not to stick with one translation, but to bounce between them, because you can clearly see the New King James, the King James, and probably other translations don't put the responsibility on God like the New Living does. Um, uh, King James says, for the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. This is saying that the world is longing for authentic Christianity. The world is longing for Christians to manifest as children of God. Okay. If you think about the word manifest, what do you think of? <clears throat> Probably like something demonic, right? Uh, and, and, and this is the thing, like, like we, we manifest what we have. <clears throat> we manifest who we truly are. And part of the process towards manifestation is uh, focus and things like that. But, but a lot of the time, Christians aren't manifesting the right thing because they're focused on the wrong thing. Because your focus determines your manifestation. So if we're focused in on ourselves then our lives are going to manifest a self-centered Christianity, which is not the Christianity that God intended. If, 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 if our focus is going to be on money and, and gimme, 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 uh, then, then what's going to happen is we're going to manifest that focus on materialism and carnality that's not going to bless the kingdom or bless our spiritual lives. If, if we're going <clears> to <throat> focus in on um, uh, 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 not living by the Spirit, then we're going to manifest things like um, unforgiveness and, and discord and hatred and, 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 and all the, uh, the, 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 um, the works of the flesh. But if we focus in on the, the Spirit of God within us, because we are His children, then what's going to happen? 
We're going to start to manifest Jesus. Christians should be manifesting Jesus wherever we go. And that's what the world longs for. Okay. But now Romans chapter 8 verse 19. The chapter starts off with Romans chapter 8 verse 1. Okay, in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, <clears throat> the New Living puts it well here. So I'm not against the New Living, but I like the, how the New Living puts it here. It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus or to Christ Jesus. <clears throat> there is now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. If you want to manifest as a child of God, as a son of God, as a daughter of God, it starts with knowing that you're not condemned. It starts. Hear the word starts. It starts with knowing that you're not condemned. Okay. Basic baby Christianity is knowing I'm not condemned. It's an important truth. It's a foundational truth. But if we're only listening to messages and teach and and if we're only teaching messages and indulging in 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 truth that i'm forgiven i'm not condemned and that's it it reveals how um immature our, our, our christian life is because we need to grow up beyond that to go okay i'm not condemned but now the focus comes off of myself and the the, the, the lack of condemnation now creates a confidence and creates a surety and creates a, a boldness for something. And that something is an indication of maturity. Okay, and you can go through Romans chapter 8 and see a lot more of the foundational truths necessary for maturity and for manifesting as children of God. Verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. You know, what this is basically saying is the law of sin cannot be overcome by willpower, but only by the spirit. Okay, so the, the, the maturity in the Christian life is learning to live by the spirit. Not by the, the law, not by the flesh, not by willpower, but by his spirit. And it goes on and on and on uh, in, in uh, uh, Romans chapter 8 there. But go to Ephesians chapter 4. So what we're looking at is how maturity and how we grow and <clears throat> what, 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 that, what, what that means for us as believers. And like I said earlier, God's desire for us is to grow up. Um, and... Uh, I like what Etienne says in uh, Tigerberg uh, campus, Tigerberg church. He says, um, a challenging word is a, what does he say? Um, a good word is a challenging word. <laughs> I've been, evidently, I don't go to Tigerberg so much, but I don't have to. But the, the point is, he always says a good word is a challenging word. You know, how do you rate the, bar, the, 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 the teaching that you hear from myself or from whoever? I've got a, a friend who loves listening to Joyce Meyer. And I'm not against Joyce Meyer, but they love listening to Joyce Meyer because it's always just like a short snippet and it's encouraging and it's uplifting. And yeah, that's, that's what he's looking for. It's extremely self-centered. Now, he's really lower level Christianity. 
And the fruit in his life is, is, is revealing that. But if we're wanting to grow, which is God's desire for us, it's going to take some uh, uh, um, uh, heavier meal, but also then some, some action on our part. Because what happens if, if a, an adult just, like when we become adults or, or maturing in our physical, we start to eat solid foods and then we start to eat like mature foods and things like that. Um, you can't give meat to a baby. Baby needs milk. But as the, the baby grows up, you can start to give them meat and things like that, unless obviously you're a vegan and uh, that's a different problem. Um, but then when it comes to, to, to um, uh, 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 eating meat, it's like what happens if, a, a, if an adult just eats, 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 eats and doesn't exercise? Zulu, they'll say mafuta. Yeah, that, that, that you're going to start to be a, a, a big one. <laughs> and, uh, and you, because what you become spiritually constipated. I'm talking about now the word now, you know, we, 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 we want to be heavyweights for the gospel, but heavyweights in a sense of the, the, the food is causing uh, uh, um, uh, the result of energy. And we're using that energy towards something. What are we using it towards? Our purpose. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, he gave some apostles, some prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the purpose of perfecting the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Here's your grow up scripture, verse 14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine and by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So verse 14 is really key. Maturity means that you're no longer a child. Maturity means that you're stable, that you're consistent. Growth or maturity looks like Jesus. Okay. So, yeah, I can turn on YouTube and what the first teaching that comes up, I can listen to it. Like, it doesn't matter who it is. I don't care. But I'll listen to it. And even if it's someone I don't like so much, I'll listen to it. And I'll be able to, because of my level of maturity, I'll be able to take things and sift things and not uh, be led astray by things. Okay? Because I've got a stability now. But there's some people who, because of their immaturity, They'll listen to this one and they'll be like, wow, this is amazing. Then they'll listen to this one. Wow, this is amazing. And they're all contradictory and they're just all running over the show. And the fruit in their life is, is revealing that that's their problem. Because we're running all over the show. Usually when I, I, I'm dealing with someone in discipleship who's got some major issues or something like that, I will say to them, I'll encourage them to limit who they're listening to. I'll usually give them one teacher and I'll say, just listen to this one. Because the purity of the word is essential. Your maturity, I was challenged by a, a, a friend of mine um, about three years ago, <coughs> and a close friend of mine on, on uh, one of the, the things I believed. He challenged me on it. And because I was stable, I was able to say, you're wrong. And he was like, yes, but this. And I was like, no, I don't agree with you. But because of the relationship, we carried on as friends. And then... I started because of the friendship. I was like, I want to try and understand what he's talking about. And so because of 
the stability that I have, I got into the word and I was able to investigate that issue and realize that he was right and I was wrong. <laughs> and then maturity also then accepted that I was wrong and changed my thoughts and went in a different direction. See, maturity doesn't jump from teaching to teaching to teaching to teaching. Maturity is consistent, but maturity also doesn't flounder when confronted or flounder when questioned. Maturity will be like, let me investigate this. Why? I don't know about you. I grew up very insecure in terms of uh, I don't want my face to be questioned. I didn't want someone to ask me questions. I didn't want someone to challenge me or what about this? What about that? Because I was insecure. Now that I'm secure in my relationship with God and in truth, I'll question anything and I'll dig into the word and I'll find the truth because I know that truth is truth and it cannot change. And so maturity now enables me to investigate and grow. I, 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 um, when we were in the, the US and we were stuck in New York during the COVID uh, lockdown, the initial one, um, I have a friend there who was, um, I was when I was in first year uh, Bible college, he was working in the phone center as um, the answers man. Um, um, he was working with uh, Barry Bennett there. And um, this guy, a close friend of mine, I, I love him very much. We became very close and now he's in New York. So we were connecting and now he's like complete universalist. So I was like, I'm really interested to understand how did you get here? Like, how did you become a universalist? How did you start to believe that uh, what you believe and what do you believe? So we sat down and he, we turned to Romans this and turned to this scripture. And he was showing me in the Bible these things that he's very excited about. And I sat there in humility, wanting to understand, and I could shoot holes in everything he said. And I said, listen, like, but what about this? And he was like, well, there's a good answer for that, but he couldn't give me the answers. What about that? <laughs> He's like, no, well, you know, I was like, I'm shooting holes in what you believe all over the show. Like, you, you, I can't actually take you seriously. I don't know why you got you or how you got you, but it's not right. Because the, the Bible says this, and the Bible says that, and the Bible, you know, and he was just uh, 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 floundering around. What I'm trying to show you is that maturity won't be moved by questions. But maturity will allow the questions to, to, to let them dig deeper. So, what is your life all about? What is your faith all about? Go to Ezekiel chapter, I think it's 37. And then I'm really keen to hear what is standing out for you. Ezekiel chapter 36, 36, verse 25 to 27. From the version it was written in King James, it says, Then I will, will I sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart will I also give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and will give you an heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. So Ezekiel here is prophesying, uh, uh, saying what God is saying about salvation. Okay. He's saying, I will sprinkle clean water upon you. What is water representative usually of in, in, in uh, the Bible? Holy Spirit. 
Okay. When it says that, um, uh, we, we, we'll get there in a minute. So let me not jump ahead. But you know, you'll draw uh, uh, from the wells of salvation. You know, you'll draw with joy from the wells of salvation. That that verse is it. it, it it's it's talking about the Holy Spirit within us. That the Spirit within us is our joy. So I will I will cleanse you basically, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness. A new heart I will give you. A new spirit I will put within you. So he's talking about, I'm going to put my spirit within you. Why? Why did God want us to be saved, to have his spirit? Why? The last part says it here as well. This is part of the purpose. To cause us to walk in his statues and keep his judgments and do them. See, Christianity isn't about trying to do the right thing for Jesus or trying to live for Jesus. Christianity is about receiving his spirit. We allow it to impact us and then we allow it to cause us to walk in his statutes. Religion is this is what you have to do. Christianity is now the spirit of God in you driving you towards the right thing. I'm sure all of us, if we're truly Christian, <laughs> would, would testify to the, the, the experience of we, we, we were, we, we've experienced that pulling of the spirit within us towards the right thing. Even when we did the wrong thing or when we've wanted to do the wrong thing, we have had this drive within us to do the right thing. That, that's what this is talking about. But it's also talking about, you know, what is, is his statutes? What is keeping his judgments? It's also got to do with our calling and our purpose, which I believe is, is, is revealed a bit more in, in John chapter 7. So go with me to uh, John chapter 7. Thirty-six, thirty-seven. 37. John 7, 37 says, um, New Living Translation, On the last day, the climax of that festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, <coughs> Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Is Jesus talking about a natural thirst? No. He's using symbolic language. Okay, the Bible is full of symbolic language. Verse 38, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scripture declares, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And then verse 30, um, 30, next one, 39, uh, uh, it gives us some clarification, some explanation. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. So this is talking about salvation and receiving the spirit of God when we believe. And this is saying that when we believe, we receive the spirit. Now the spirit satisfies us. The spirit quenches our thirst. And if you look at Ezekiel 36, the, the spirit cleanses us. The spirit restores us. Okay, the spirit basically makes us right because now we're uh, we're filled with God. Okay, but now there's a purpose to it. Rivers of living water will flow from your heart. 
So what we need to do as believers, part of our maturing process is learning to tap in to the spirit of God that's in us flowing out of us. You know, you might be feeling a bit uh, dry, a bit weary, a bit uh, cracked, a bit whatever, I don't know, um, needing some refreshing of sorts. The spirit of God in you wants to refresh you. You don't need that ice cream. You'll enjoy the ice cream more if you've if you, the spirit of God has refreshed you. You know, it, you, 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 you don't need to, 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 you'll enjoy the movie more even if you, if you allow the Spirit of God to refresh you before you go for the, the carnal refreshing. The Spirit of God in us wants to refresh us. But here's the thing. If the Spirit of God in us is flowing out of us, it's not just for you, it's for other people. Christianity is not about you. Christianity is about us. Christianity is about Jesus. It's about uh, uh, His mandate which is to go into all the world and make disciples. His mandate to, you know, for God so loved the world, the world, not just an individual. Yes, if you were the only one, he would die for you, but he didn't. And you weren't the only one. He died for the whole world. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Yes, you're special. Yes, God loves you. Yes, if you were the only one, he would have done it for you, but you weren't the only one. And there's millions and millions of other people who God loves as well. And that's why he's so excited about having uh, you as his dwelling place. Because now he's like, I live in you. We can go anywhere and we can make a difference wherever we go. Your marketplace all of a sudden became a place where God can visit. Your office became a place where God can visit because you go there and he's in you. Because wherever you go, he goes. That's awesome. I mean, think about it like this. For God so loved your company that he sent you. Tag, you're it. I don't know. I can't remember anybody in this meeting ever saying this to me. But I've had it a couple times. People saying to me, I, I really i am praying. I'm trusting God for a new job. I'll be like, well, I can pray with you. Why are you, why are you trusting for a new job? No, it's just... The, 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 the office that I'm, I'm working in is just so ungodly. <laughs> I don't know any Christian in my office. And I'm like, great. So what you're saying is Jesus sent you to go and be a blessing and help and bring salvation to this, these people. And you're wanting to go and find a holy huddle somewhere. Oh, you know, I've, I've got this great new job. Uh, I, someone said to me once, um, it's a Christian company. It's so amazing. Everybody's Christian. I'm like, that's awesome. It's not wrong, but, but how is that helping you on your mission? Number one, on the mission of Jesus. And number two, uh, um, how does a company become a Christian? <laughs> you know, there's no such thing as a Christian company. There's Christians who work in a company. Your People magazine started off uh, 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 Christian-based, and it's not so Christian-based anymore. You know, you've got different things like that, where they started off Christian, and then unbelievers bought the shares, and they took it over. And, you know, Disney World apparently was supposed to be Bible World, where it was going to be a Bible-themed park and all of that kind of stuff. And now they're like the most liberal place on earth. Never mind happy. They're just liberal. Use a different word. But the point is, is that, 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 you know, you can't, it's individuals who's God's on God's heart. And we should 
be maturing to the place where we see ourselves as, hey, this very ungodly person, I'm here. Not, I'm not saying Lucas is ungodly by pointing, but this very ungodly person over here is why I'm here. Now, I don't know if you've seen that uh, uh, um, that video that went around this week. I watched a majority of it, of that big shot Satanists in the Church of uh, Satan in South Africa who um, converted to Christianity. And he renounced the, 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 um, uh, the works of the devil and all of that. And uh, now it was amazing because uh, you know, he, his testimony was he had, uh, I think, one or two or three Christian friends who were showing him unconditional love. And I was thinking how amazing it is that a Christian wasn't scared to be friends with a Satanist. Because I know a lot of people who've left grace life when I start belittling the devil because they're so scared of him. <laughs> Let's just think about the devil for a moment. The Bible says he's defeated. Okay? He doesn't have feet. He's got stumps. Which means he's a pushover. <laughs> he doesn't have a leg to stand on. He's defeated. He's disarmed. That means he's got no arms. Now, I'm being creative with scripture here, but I'm trying to show you how, how, how pathetic he is. Yes, he's, he's a factor, but the only factor is he's the father of lies. And if you can believe his lies, he has you. I mean, think about it. What um, uh, uh, The one guy that says in the Gospels that he's possessed with uh, a legion. And legion, it's, it's what, let's say it's 3,000. I can't remember how much it is right now. But let's say it's 3,000. Just for a moment. Can you fit 3,000 grapes inside of you? A bucket of 3,000, it'll be more than a bucket, but a bucket of 3,000 grapes, can you fit those grapes inside of you? No. How small must a demon be? You know, we have more authority over the devil than he has over an ant, and yet you've got some people who won't go close to a Satanist because they're scared. And yet the greater one lives in us. And because a Christian stood up and loved a Satanist, he came to Christ. And his, his testimony is making a great impact. Now, when I was watching that, I could see this guy needs some, some, some discipleship big time. <laughs> you know, uh, but he's a baby. So we can accept that. That's fine. He's allowed to have uh, wrong views of God and, and life and all of that. But the, the, hopefully the word will straighten that out. The point is, is that for God so loved the world, the ungodly, the, the people who need him, that he sent us now to go there. We're commissioned to help them. We trust that this teaching has been a blessing to you. We encourage you to visit our website for more free life-giving teachings to help you grow in your relationship with God. Visit us at www.gracelife.co.